Hey guys, um, my name is Chris Kelly. I'm calling from Massachusetts. Um, I love the show very much. I love everything Bloody Disgusting does. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on um, what I think is one of the most forgot- often forgotten mediums in horror, and that's the short stories. Um, I would love to hear you guys discuss some of your favorite short stories. Uh, so please, please, please let us know. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. Uh, I'm I'm not a huge horror story or horror short story reader. I tend to just read like full length novels uh, when it comes to horror. So my default tends to be Books of Blood by Clive Barker. Um, I just this last week I'd gone back and I was reading some of his and I still love like Midnight Meat Train and and the adaptation. I think it's a brilliant adaptation, actually, of the source material. Um, and Everything's Eventual by uh, Stephen King is a great book, like compilation of his short stories. It, it includes my favorite, 1408, which is actually also a pretty good adaptation of the short story. And then pretty much anything by Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, how about you two, uh, Megan, Zena? Uh, yeah, I agree. Edgar Allan Poe for sure. Um, but I also really liked um, Paul Tremblay. I pretty much read anything Paul Tremblay puts oh. out and he did a short story collection called Growing Things and that one is Ooh. like all of them are pretty good and very creative and often very ambiguously creepy. Um, I also adore anything Stephen King. So some of my favorite short stories Survivor Type, which if you don't feel like reading Survivor Type you could see the Creep Show animated adaptation of it um, on Shutter mm. right now. The oh, Jaunt yeah. is also creepy. And The Boogeyman, which I would love to see them adapt one day, but I'm not sure how. Um, and then a another one that's super gnarly that is nothing at all, like it's film adaptation, is In the Tall Grass, which was a Stephen King oh, and yeah. Joe Hill collaboration. Mm-hmm. So I apparently realized when like thinking about this that I really like super gross, gnarly <laughs> short stories. So, yeah. What? No, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't that sound so like me at all. For, you. Uh, for me, I have uh, two from the same writer creator and it's uh, Junji Ito. Um, he's Ooh. the guy that did uh, Tomi and Tomi. Um, it, it's it's a manga, but it was adapted into a, like a live action film series. And there's like eight installed. It's insane. Like Anything I I love it. Yeah. Uzumaki. Yeah. Oh my god, that's 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 another one too. But the first one, Tomi. So Tomi, um, it's basically like this series that follows this girl who's immortal and she's able to drive her admirers like into insanity (laughs) so but it's it's really cool and then the horror manga uzumaki like which is just like it is life i know there's a there's a live movie on that Mm -hmm. but i haven't watched it yet so i'm kind of afraid to like check it out but that one follows like a high school teenager and her boyfriend and they live in this small quiet town and this town is cursed with supernatural events that just so happen to involve like spirals. You know, there's like centipedes coming out of ears. Uh, there's twitching teachers, possessions and snails. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> it's a good time. All right. Call two. Hey guys, it's Ryan from here again. Hope Halloween went well and everybody got some candy. Not too many tricks. My question, now that Halloween is over as a holiday and we're into November, obviously Halloween and Christmas are two of the biggest holidays for horror movies 
in the genre. So discounting those two holidays, what are your what are some of your favorite non Christmas or Halloween based horror movies that are set around holidays? Thanks. Love the podcast. Keep it up. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, Megan, Zena, do you have any particular uh, holiday-based horror movies that aren't Christmas or Halloween-related? I probably have a lot. <laughs> uh, obviously, <laughs> My Bloody Valentine, for sure, for Valentine's yeah. Day. Uh, Critters 2, the main course for Easter. Yeah. Oh, nice. Good one. Uh, Wicker Man for May Day, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Kind of midsummery. Midsummer could fall in that also. Um, mm-hmm. It's not... A good move. It's kind of like a so bad you're good, but blood rage oh, feels yeah. like a Thanksgiving um, requisite yeah. for me. I just die every time. It, that's not cranberry sauce. Um, <laughs> I don't think it plays heavily into St. Patrick's Day, but Maniac Cop. I want to. Mm-hmm. I want to tie yep. that into St. Patrick's Day because there's the whole sequence set during oh, yeah. the parade for sure. You have to include that for sure. If uh, it's an o- another over the top one, but end of days for New Year's Eve, and then oh, uh, holidays, which is a, you know an anthology set around the holidays, but mm. specifically Easter and Father's Day. I love like you know mm-hmm. anthologies tend to be mixed bags, but those two by far like Father's Day. I could watch a full feature of it's about so that that segment. Yeah, it's so well done. But what about you guys? Um, for me, two came to mind. One, I know that this movie gets a lot of slack, but I love it. Um, the slasher Valentine from 2001. I don't know. Oh. I just, I oh, like it. Yeah. yeah. I like it. I know no, it's that like. That was a good one. That had some of the most creative kills. Yeah. Like of any horror movie. That surprised me. <laughs> and it's the same director who did Urban Legend, you know? There so, you go. yeah. So it's pretty cool. And then another one that, which instantly became my favorite, and we totally need more Thanksgiving horror movies christy yeah i don't really like the motive so much but like everything it doesn't really matter because it's just so well done as far as suspense and and this you know action pieces i kind of wish that they would have just left it a mystery you know i kind of found it like terrifying that they didn't really have a reason why they were doing it was just random you know yeah but yeah you know and i really like the asterisk actress actress in it jesus help me john but yeah so (laughs) (laughs) no no problem uh then the other ones i was thinking terror train it was new year's eve yeah uh and then new year's evil which i actually just recently watched about a month ago Mm -hmm. uh april fool's day yeah and then the one i had to go back and double check because i couldn't quite remember but alien abduction the incident in lake county which is kind Mm. of attributed as like the first original found footage movie is set at thanksgiving ah very nice so it's actually a pretty solid list i mean but it is tough when you try and get away i mean even adding christmas to it i don't feel like the list expands that much like there's there's been more krampus and evil santa type things lately Mm -hmm. but there's like 120 plus holiday horror movies around christmas yeah Really? A lot. Oh, yeah. With the exception of like Black Christmas, very few horror movies set at Christmas, well, and like Gremlins, like really work for me. Krampus, I don't know why. There's just some. But I never saw the new Krampus. Better watch out. Oh, yeah. Anna and the Apocalypse. Oh, my God. Anna and the Apocalypse. The movie's so good. 
<laughs> we're gonna school you on another <laughs> episode on holiday horror. <laughs> um, I don't think you need to specify on another episode you're gonna school me. I think you two's knowledge <laughs> can school me pretty much any point given any episode we do. <laughs> oh. Speaking of which, welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know her as the lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hello. And you know her from her YouTube channel and website, Real Queen of Horror, and for her infinite love for the genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hey. And I'm John. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope that your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. If not, we're going to do a quick round the table for the movies, books, games, anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. And hopefully there'll be things that'll make you smile too. Zena, what's been filling your heart this week? I had a really great week of watching (laughs) magical things. So the first one, uh, The Evil Within, I checked that out on Tubi and it was released in 2017. A lonely and mentally disabled boy who lives with his older brother is urged by reflection in an antique mirror to go on a murderous rampage. This movie is so unique. And honestly, by the end of it, it left me speechless. Um, I feel like I only watched it one time and I, I plan to watch it again this this week just because I really want to have like a better understanding of, of the director. And honestly, this might be like the best movie I checked out in October, truth be told. Interesting. Um, wow. Yes. Sadly, the director, Andrew Getty, he died before the film. It was complete. It He financed the film himself. It cost between about four to six million. And production took 15 years to complete. And um, his friend, yes. who was also the producer, he, he was the editor. I'm sorry if I mispronounced his name wrong. Michael Lucer Sear. Um, he finished the movie for him and he put it out there. Um, there's an actor in here uh, named Frederick Kohler who plays Dennis, who's the the lonely, mental, mentally disabled boy. He does an amazing job from the start to the finish. And at first you feel, I'm still confused. I don't know if I should feel bad for this character. Um, not because of his disability, but for what he went through and um Sean Patrick Flannery and, and Dina Meyer are you, you know they're in this as well but yeah very well done movie um I checked out like some reviews and stuff and it, it was receiving like mixed reviews but I don't know it's just I've never seen anything like this like ever hmm. so really enjoyed wow. it yeah the next thing I years that's gotta be crazy right? Like the insane. actor ages 15 years along with, so if they're shooting out of order, which is typical of right. like filming, he's going to be 15 years younger in one scene and mm-hmm. markedly, like markedly aged the next scene. That's crazy. But it's I mean, like, who was it? Was it Richard Linklater who did like a boy's life or whatever? Where, where, what Was he the one who did the boyhood? The but that was movies? chronological, boyhood. you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. spread over 30, intentionally spread over 30 right. years or whatever it was. Wow, that's crazy. I'm not too sure how they did it. I mean, the characters, again, I have to rewatch it again because I only watched it once, but they look the same, you wow. know. Um, the, I mean, obviously, it's, you know, there's, you know, like most movies, it has its little things that, of course, it's not perfect. But, I'm again, I've just never seen anything like that before, you know. Um, so, yeah, highly recommend that one. All right. Next one. I checked out Don't Look Back on VOD. It was just released this year. 
uh, witnesses to a fatal assault are targeted by someone or something after they do not help the victim. So this is from director Jeffrey Reddick. You all remember him from Final Destination, his series. Um, yeah, I love the fact that he's focusing on pedestrians, like attack videos. So you guys have seen this before. If someone gets, some people are fighting or if there's an accident, people just want to take out their phones and film mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. You know, so he kind of showcases that um, people are filming instead of helping the person. And, you know, sadly, this is what we still see today. And I feel like he makes us like wonder if we should get involved. Um, I don't know if you guys ever been like kind of like a bystander or something. Do you get involved or do you just kind of like let people like handle whatever they need to handle? And if you don't get involved, should you be punished? You know, it, it, it makes mm -hmm. you kind of question that stuff. And at first, it you know, even from the synopsis, you're, you think, oh, this is just going to be about people dying. I mean, yes, they do. But... <laughs> It's it's not just about that. Um, the leading woman, I I like that leading lady. She's she was just relatable, you know. Because it's unfortunately there were some horrible things that happened to her, but that didn't define her. But it's kind of like we don't know if she's experiencing um, like PTSD or is it something with karma? You know, it, it kind of like plays with that because it's like she sees patterns everywhere like as the viewer we notice like the number 27 is throughout the film and then there are spirits or demons or something grabbing at her is it real or is it fake you know um again i i just kind of love the idea of this i felt that it was modern it was a, original and i feel like you know especially with people always saying like yeah i want an original movie well here you go you know so <laughs> So it's it's a really cool one. So I, yeah, I checked cool. it out on um, YouTube for only six dollars, seven dollars. Bod price. Yes, but it was worth it. I enjoyed it. You know, sometimes you just have to treat yourself. Treat yes, that's right. Especially for Halloween. Especially in November. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then uh, the last thing I watched. This one was a rewatch for me, and it's Blood and Black Lace on Midnight yeah, yeah. Pope. 1964 a masked man with metal claw gloves stalks models at a couple's fashion salon in rome um this i feel like if you love like giallo movies um i feel like it has like the classic elements of a giallo you know there's like beautiful victims a mysterious gloved killer there's mystery there's scandal um it's just very it's a very stylish, like stunning movie. And I feel like it kind of like defines me if I was like high fashion, you know? I don't know why I'm posing. But Mario Bava just, does pretty so us. well though. Thank you. I've been practicing. I practice in the mirror. But yeah, like um <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it, it is it's full of suspense. And I just think that this one is a lot of fun. And even though there was like a killer on the loose killing people in the store, I would risk it to <laughs> shop at that store. <laughs> So that's yeah. Mario that's Bava does out. pretty well. Like almost, I'm I'm hard pressed to think of a Mario Bava movie that's ugly. I mean, he's just, I, I don't know. He he does pretty well. I mean, it's a foundational Giallo. It's a foundational Mario Bava mm -hmm. movie. Yeah, I yeah. endorse this one too. It's just great, great. But yeah, um, what about you, Megan? I watched a bunch of stuff, um, but freaky. <laughs> Freaky. I watched an early sneak peek of Yay. Freaky. That is coming to theaters next Friday the 13th, which is fitting because the bulk of the story takes place on a Friday the 13th. Um, mm. It's 
a body swap slasher. After swapping bodies with a deranged serial killer, a high school girl discovers she has less than 24 hours for, before the change becomes permanent. Um, mm. Catherine Newton is this, you know, mousy little teenage girl who is the te- like the mascot for the football team. Um, she's got a crush. She's kind of bullied. And then she swaps with Vince Vaughn, the serial killer. And it's <laughs> by director Christopher Landon. Uh, and co-written by Attack of the Queerwolf's Michael Kennedy. So it's got Michael Landon's um, blend. It's, it, it's it's a lot. If you like Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to you, there's no reason that you won't like this one, too. It's super charming. I full-bellied laughed multiple <laughs> times. Um, and the kills, it's rated R. So, you know, it is very light in in terms of the plot and the jokes and the humor, but then they're not afraid to spill blood and the the kills are pretty fun. So I liked it. It's nice. Yeah. It's the, the, the only thing I could think of to sum it up is if you like happy death day, then you will <laughs> like this one too. So do you, yeah. Do you think that it's similar to the hot chick? I haven't seen the hot chick. Is, oh, I think you that's the Wayne's the brother chick. one. No, wait, which no. one is that one? That's the one um, with. Uh, no, that's white Rob. chicks. <laughs> that's a very Rob. different movie. <laughs> yeah. Megan. It's a comedy with chick in the title. What do you want it's, from me? It's about this high school girl who actually switched places with this convict um, with Rob Schneider. Oh, my gosh. I forgot his Rob. Yeah. I, I vaguely know what you're talking about. Yes. Oh, gosh, I would yes. It's hilarious. This is more like Freaky about. Friday meets Friday the 13th. Ooh. So not like that one. Not not this chick Not like comedy. the Wayne's Brothers. Not like Rob Schneider movies. It's Perfect. not like a Rob Schneider movie. It's not. She swapped places with him because of an airing. An ancient airing. Ooh. Oh, no. Well, this is an ancient <laughs> dagger. But I still maintain oh. it's Freaky Friday meets okay. Friday the 13th. Yeah. Nice. Um, so yeah, everybody should watch that. I feel like it's the perfect timing for for Freaky too, because we're all going to be in need of some, just, you know, post Halloween blues and election and all this. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a nice, comforting, warm hug of a horror movie. I love those. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I played a uh, Dark Pictures anthology, Little Hope, that came out Friday. Um, it's out on probably everything I played on PS4. I know it's on Xbox, probably on Steam. It's the second entry in the Dark Pictures anthology. The first one was Man of Madon, and the developers before that did this highly popular Until Dawn, which I freaking love that game so much. It's one of my favorite games of all time. It is a great um, game. So good. And these these are a lot shorter than Until Dawn. So like Man okay. of Madon was probably like four or five hours, and this one's about the same. This time, Will Poulter is the lead. And it's a bus crash, and the people get off the bus and realize they're in this middle-of-nowhere ghost town enveloped by fog. And um, it really is a ghost town in every sense of the word. There's, you know, former ghosts of that were involved in Salem witch trials. Well, it's not Salem, but witch trials. Um, so, yeah, you're trying to figure out what the heck happened and what's going on and how the hell you get out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did one playthrough already, and then I immediately started the curator's cut, which I guess if you pre-ordered, you get um, one playthrough, and then they give you an alternate version where you can play through different scenes. So yeah, um, it was really fun. If you liked Mamma Dawn or Until Dawn, I mean, Until Dawn is the high bar, so it's not as good as Until Dawn, because that's mm-hmm. perfection. Um, but it's fun. <laughs> it's It's more story-driven. 
And uh, and once you play through, there's a tease for the next installment. And the next one has Ashley Tisdale and it has Pazuzu statue clear as day. It almost looks like some kind of The Exorcist meets The Descent. There's like cave Whoa. diving, spelunking types. It's crazy. So I want all of it. Like I'm on board with the series. I know that critics were not as fan like as fond of of this latest entry, but I had fun with it. So whatever. Um, and then last but not least, uh, I did One Day Die. I did my, um, I guess my th- theater performance. Like you have a ticket, you show up and I don't want to go too far into it because I think they extended performances a week. So I don't want to spoil it if anybody happens to be listening and they're doing, you know, the final shows of the week. But this was not at all what I expected it to be, which is actually a good thing. Um, Mm. I got this box. You're not allowed to open this box at all until you're there for your performance. And, you know, you show up and there are all these, it's almost like a really fancy Zoom chat. Like there's all these screens of other people participating, but then there's rooms and there's live performances happening. And then you can enter Mm. other rooms and there's other actors doing performances. So it's very much like a huge theatrical, um, performance like a theater immersive theater event um and then when i thought that's all it was going to be and then you open the box and perform this seance along with them no it turns into a choose your own adventure like somebody Mm. starts getting sacrificed and then you have to choose which room to follow which story thread to follow and then you realize that your box is more than just a seance box it's a escape room puzzle so you have limited time to work together to try and solve the puzzles. And there's like all sorts of cool stuff that's that's in this box that I don't want to spoil. But it was fun. You come back together by the end and you see all the other people who are in other rooms and they've got like blood on their faces. And and the whole time that this is happening, they're, the people are texting and emailing you. Like it's fully immersive. And it was pretty so fun. Cool. So cool. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that turned out to be a lot of fun. So yeah, that's what I did. John, tag your it. well i have been watching so many horror movies this entire month that i actually don't be mad at me i got tired of them and now i i will do a disclaimer (laughs) part of it is because september and october are so busy for me i'm so overwhelmed with anxiety and work and everything between the podcast and my day job Mm -hmm. that for the most part, it, it's when when you watch like two or three horror movies every single day and you're also in the middle of a bunch of anxiety anyway, starts to get a little bit overwhelming. So I did do a palate cleanser of Weekend at Bernie's uh, on Halloween just because I was like, wow, I just... And then I realized, I'm like, no, this isn't a comedy. This is actually just super dark and scary. Like, <laughs> They're dragging a that... corpse around everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty morbid. And then, like, a lady has sex with a corpse. And Whoa. Like, hmm. Whoa. I think I need yeah, to revisit it's... this movie. Yeah, I don't remember dark. that. Uh, so I, and uh, we talked offline about this, that I've been running into this really weird phenomenon, and this is maybe my fault as a found footage fan, of just, so many phone footage movies with just deplorable characters. <laughs> like, I just, like, I watched three in a row where there was extended scenes of abusive boyfriends mm. being captured on this. And it's just like, I, 
you don't need that. Yeah. You don't need to show a guy basically like making his girlfriend cry, like just through like abusively mocking her for me to think he's a bad guy. <laughs> I'm curious, it. like time wise, where that falls, because I feel like the one that made it super popular was Paranormal Activity. Oh. Yeah, because Mika is Micah's a such a dick in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, all of them are. It it wasn't till part three that there was actually a nice boyfriend. We had mm-hmm. to go through two. Yeah, exactly. Movies. Yeah, that's that's a whole other. Thing. Yeah, so I, I don't know, and and I think we, we've talked about this. Is it's just this kind of this strange concept in horror? Like as horror fans, we can't watch a movie and be willing to lose someone we like mm-hmm. like like it, it's okay it's a horror movie yeah people die we we accept that like it doesn't just have to be bad guys like it actually it makes it harder for me to get to the kills if i have to watch bad people being bad mm-hmm. and i'm not talking about like oh it's a criminal it's like okay well that he's a criminal that's his role as opposed to just like the worst friend you've ever experienced who will mock you incessantly for like 20 minutes. It's like, well, why are you friends and why are you camping together of all things? (laughs) So I needed some, that was a long way of me saying I needed some major palate cleansers. So I did 1978's Halloween on Shudder. Okay. 15 years after murdering his sister on Halloween night, 1963. Michael Myers escapes from a mental hospital and returns to the small town of Haydenfield, Illinois, to kill again. You know, it's so, it's simple, and there's definitely parts that are cheesy. Like, I tend to forget how many, how much of the runtime is devoted to the sound of a ringing phone, (laughs) which is a lot. There's a lot of phone calls going on in the movie. But it's just, it's just simple premise it's not super convoluted and i know they went convoluted in the sequels but it's like michael myers what's it what's his like motivation he's evil okay (laughs) go like it didn't need to be anything else it was just like he was evil and he was just like going back to his roots and then when he went back to his home like the first person that he saw he became obsessed with and then he followed Mm -hmm. her and started it's like it's just it just works, you know, like it is a classic for so many reasons. And there's so many little subtleties to it, especially like, and, and they do such a great homage to it in the new Halloween, in the Halloween remake with Michael being in the background so often, a little bit out of focus. Like if you don't know he's there, you wouldn't even realize that he's there, but he's always kind of around. Like it's just, it's a really simply crafted movie that just works mm-hmm. even now, like <laughs> all the horror movies. Uh, and then, so that was my classic. It was hard for me to pick between my classic and my slasher since they're both, both. <laughs> 1980, 1984's Nightmare on Elm Street, which I watched on DVD. Because those things still exist, kids. They, things they do. DVDs that some of us still own and buy. <laughs> the monstrous spirit of a slain child murderer seeks revenge by invading the dreams of teenagers whose parents were responsible for his untimely death. You know, we were talking, so my wife and I were watching Drunk History, and I don't know if you've ever watched it. Oh, it's yeah. an amazingly funny oh, no. show. And there's this one episode where they're talking about the creation of Frankenstein, like how Mary Shelley motiv- or found inspiration for Frankenstein. She was only 18 years old. But the fact that fr- both Frankenstein and Dracula essentially came out of the same weekend, like the same mm. party that they were having. 
Mm-hmm. And the Takamoto, it's one of the, Frankenstein is one of the most famous and scary monsters of all time. Mm-hmm. And my wife kind of looked at me. She's like, well, who do you think is actually the scariest? I'm like, oh, that's a good question. Like, who is the, to you, who is the scariest horror movie monster or bad guy? Like, that's, that's a really tough question. But, but like, my knee-jerk reaction is Freddy Krueger. And it's because it's your dreams. And yeah. I know, I hate it when I can't sleep. It's like, have you ever taken, like, a long car ride? especially at night and you're exhausted and all you want to do is close your eyes and you can't. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and it's torture. It is its own form of torture. So the fact that like you have to stay awake or you fall asleep and you have absolutely no power whatsoever over this horrible being who wants to mutilate you. Right. Like that's pretty terrifying. I mean, if we're arguing over the best, you know, slasher icon, it's like, don't go to Haddonfield and don't be related to the Strode family and you're in the clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't go yeah, to Crystal Lake. Don't, don't go to Crystal Lake and you're safe. But you can't you not go to sleep. Yeah, you have Eventually, to you're going to have to. Yeah. And, you know, the honestly, the only thing, and I actually really like the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Like, across the sequels, I mean, some of them are better than others. That's fine. But I felt like it really stayed true to the story as much as anything. I mean, I don't remember that they ever actually explained why Freddy can do what he can do. Like, I mean, I've they technically do if you're counting Freddy's dead. Oh, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's just kind of, I don't know. Like, I, I think as far as a series, as far as consistency across a series, and they did, and they did such a great job with The New Nightmare. Like, uh, kind of reinventing it at the same time as paying homage to the roots and everything else. It was such a great mm-hmm. movie. Um, but Nightmare on Elm Street, I don't watch it nearly as much as I watch things like Friday the 13th. But it, it still works. For 1984, man, they nailed it. Like, that's, like, there, there's there's definitely, che- like, really cheesy parts, like uh, when <laughs> Freddy is chasing her in the dream, like, early on, and it's clearly a body double who looks like he's about a foot shorter than Robert Anklin <laughs> running after her. But it's still, it, it's, it's, like, simple and complicated somehow at the same time. Because I don't know that I ever would have imagined coming up with the idea of a serial killer who attacks you in your sleep. Like, that's pretty... It's pretty awesome. That's pretty, yeah, it's really clever. <laughs> like, I'm trying to remember what the story was that Wes, he had read an article that inspired this yeah. movie. And it was something about, I think it was like a man in China who died in his sleep. And in in it, his sleep, yeah. Yeah, so it's like that snowballed. But it's a very clever concept. And that's why I understood um, New Nightmare was actually him bringing freddie back to what he intended freddie to be because the way i understood it is he wasn't really happy with what freddie krueger became he mm-hmm. became way too poppy too jokey well he never even intended for it to be a sequel like that yeah. he was not happy yeah. with that tacked on ending with the mom in front of the door that was not part of his movie <laughs> that was a studio kind of mandate yeah, that ending oh, always really? made me laugh. Yeah, he there, there was never supposed to be a hook that that snowballed into, you know, what it became. Interesting. But, yeah. Hmm. But yeah, and then uh, phone footage uh, for the third time this month, I watched Hell House LLC. <laughs> you had no choice, though. 
I actually I no watched this because... too, but I didn't want to talk about it because there was no way that the expert the expert needed to talk about this. <laughs> so on on October thirtieth, uh, the director released his director's cut of Hell House LLC on Amazon, which I'm Ooh. assuming is still available now. Yes, it is, and it has. I'm not going to. I'm not going to do my movie voice and explain it because I've already talked about it twice this month anyway. Um, but he basically re-released it, and he re-released it with some footage that they had decided to pull out after some test screenings. And and then afterwards, there's some, like, video of the location scouting and, like, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, and having watched it with the original scenes still in it i think they made the right move okay if you're watching hell house llc as a standalone i think the original version is works better if you're watching it as the series of the three movies this version makes a little bit more sense because they Mm kind of go into like how the hell house crew gets there in the second one and the third one and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. like honestly and there was like a you know there was like a scene like the documentary or the documentary crew there was like a longer bit with them before sarah shows up and and there's a couple more things in the house and then there's like this kind of google maps thing about like an image that they see And, and that's fine like that works across like the series but as a standalone i think the original still works best by itself so out the, oh, I was just going to ask, you know, out of the series of which one is your favorite? Say if someone, one. okay, I was going to give you like a really deep one. <laughs> yeah, it's actually no question for me. Uh, two and three, I, I have a pretty hard time watching the first half of two and the second half of three. Hmm. <laughs> Um, I have not watched three, but I remember like there's a few good scares with the clown in part two, but overall, mm-hmm. eh. but yeah, I don't watch yeah, like once they get back to the house in two, it's better. The setup to get back to the house is pretty difficult for me. That's fair. Um, okay. But yeah. it, it was going to be so tough to do a sequel to this anyway. Uh, it, it really captured, you know, a really just, cool idea at just the right time it was kind of just a sleeper that came out of nowhere for a lot of people especially Mm -hmm. me and then as they kept trying to dig into the backstory it just kind of it just loses something you know like so few stories can really hold up doing that Mm -hmm. it's so much easier to do it's so much easier to do the first season of lost than the than the last season of lost you know, it's 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 so great add... to set up those mysteries and those unanswered. Oh, but yeah. the answers, it's so rare that it's actually gonna pay off. Mm. And so for me, I just I just rewatched the first one over and over. Although supposedly <laughs> Hell House the Abaddon tapes is in the works. Like Ooh. the director is gonna be coming out with another movie. And I'm I'm I hope it goes more back to its found footage roots. Um, and a little bit less, I don't know, it's tough because the more movies they do, the more it kind of falls apart about, well, how are we even seeing this footage? (laughs) Because if you think about it too much, it's kind of like, well, okay, but I don't understand now. (laughs) 
like, see, now you're saying they had footage, but how are we seeing the footage if they had the footage and now they're gone? Mm-hmm. But then we you still have the footage. Someone else saw the footage because, yeah, it's, 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 it gets a little well, like bit, it's still one of my favorite found footage. Like Megan, I only watched up to two, so I didn't watch the third mm-hmm. one yet. So now you make me want to go back and revisit the whole series, you know? Yeah, I... you know, three's okay. It's I like three more than two. Oh wow! Just That's because, interesting. Well, the <laughs> first half of two, the the news segment in two, hmm. I I have a really hard time watching that. It's it's very very forced in front of that green screen mm-hmm. effect. Like it's it's a pretty and that interview style is pretty tough for me to get through. Um, and I think three works more because it's more back to the phone footage aspect of it. Well, I'm glad you watched this one because I don't revisit Hell House near as much as you do. So for me, <laughs> I don't think anybody does. No, but I, I had a hard time distinguishing what was new, which I mean, I guess that speaks sure. to how well it just seamlessly blends because it's been a while mm-hmm. and I couldn't remember you know, I found myself questioning, was that was that there before? I don't know. And also, if anybody does look for this on Amazon Prime, you might be intimidated when you see the two plus hour runtime, but that is not oh, yeah. accurate. Whoa. It's like really like an hour, 30 minutes, but then everything after is all of the, yeah. the extra features. It just okay. all together. It's like two yeah. hours and nine minutes or something. But really, the movie is 45 minutes yeah. shorter than that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it adds the added footage adds maybe I'll say twelve minutes to the total runtime. No, it's really like the the extra footage. Like I'm talking about all of the audition. No, no, no. Tapes I'm and... saying when they oh, put the okay, deleted okay, scenes okay. back in. I got gotcha. it. It's about twelve minutes longer than the original movie, gotcha. and then you have the extras. Yeah, yeah, then you have so many extras. So you, I think you have to be a John Hellhouse LLC <laughs> diehard to watch <laughs> all of that stuff. I mean, it's a treasure so, um, trove, and it's really cool because it's like watching bonus features, you know, on streaming, which doesn't happen. But I don't have time. And I'm that. not sure how this will work, but I'm really keeping my fingers crossed that somehow the director has figured out how to get me into the Abaddon tapes. That would be just so as a cool. dead we'll body see. on the floor, like just, that's, that's, that's all, all John I, wants. That's all I ask. <laughs> he just wants to I lay ask. down in the Abaddon. <laughs> I got footage of me laying around. It's fine. They can cut that together. Just get a green screen and lay down. Be like, just put me in, coach. Put me in. Literally just me laying on my bed. Just a quick, just, you know, like in Fight Club. Just, just put that a clown one mask frame. on and stand. But how are you connected to the movie? Like, It doesn't matter. Just splice me in. One frame. That's all I ask. Put them in the, the new Google Maps footage. Exactly. Yeah. What's that guy doing there? <laughs> All right. Enough of what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on news and trending topics in the world of horror. All right, Megan, what's going on? So much, you guys. So much. Like, Halloween week was jam-packed for everything, especially news. So, first up, uh, Ginger Snaps is getting a TV series, Ooh, which I am very nice. excited about. Uh, Sid Gentle Films, they did Killing Eve. And Copperheart Entertainment, the producers of the Ginger Snap trilogy, are teaming up to do a new series. It's going to be executive produced by John Fawcett, the co-creator and director of the original film. Uh, Anna Semuyaba is on board to script the adaptation. So it's 
like the movie, it's set to tell the story of sisters Ginger and Bridget, who are self-imposed outcasts in their hometown. They're inseparable and fascinated with the macabre, and they make a pact to escape their sleepy suburban home by 16 or else take their own lives. But on the night of her first period, Ginger's attacked and infected by a werewolf, which unleashes a monstrous kind of puberty. Wink, wink. Uh, Bridget can't understand their new version of her sister, of this new version of her sister, who is violent and sexual. So, yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a TV series kind of reboot or reimagining mm-hmm, of, mm-hmm. of the show or of the film, um, which is interesting because, I you know, series obviously extends longer than a feature film. So I'm curious, like, obviously it's set to start out pretty faithful to the original, but... Did you guys watch the trilogy? Because it got pretty kind of crazy. Like, Ginger Snaps 2 is nuts. Yeah, I fell off after 2. After 2. 3 is more like a prequel that follows the same thing of the first one, just kind of Mm -hmm. with the fork in the road. Right. So, yeah. But I I actually really like them, so I'm super on board for this. And really, anything werewolf is going to hook me to begin (laughs) with. So, yay. And then, I think it was Thursday maybe that Blum house had like a Blum mm-hmm. fest, basically all day panel on U- YouTube. <laughs> and so one of the announcements that came out of that is that we are getting an insidious chapter five, Ooh. which is cool, but it's going to be directed by Patrick Wilson. That's so, awesome. Yeah. It's going to pick up um, with the Lamberts 10 years after the last movie as in with Dalton beginning college. So, so it's literally going to ignore insidious chapter three, three and four and be a direct Mm -hmm. sequel to part two. So Patrick Wilson is obviously directing. He's going to star alongside the returning Ty Simpkins as Dalton Lambert. And so it's Wilson's debut, which I think is interesting because he's a pretty well-known actor and Mm -hmm. his first directorial debut is a horror movie. So I heart you even more now. Um, We can expect that one sometime in 2022. Scott Teams wrote the script based on a story by fran- franchise co-creator Lee Wanell. So also another bonus. Um, but yeah, I'm curious. I'm like, I don't know what the timeline is. If it's expected in 2022, where what stage they are, if they already have two main people set to return. Where's Rose Byrne is basically where I'm going with this. <laughs> where is Rose Byrne? Because I love her. There's a whole, how many kids did they have? It was one, two. Well, they had three three kids so we've got yeah. the dad and, and the oldest son with who who likes to astral project where's the other half of the family inquiring minds want to know <laughs> i.e me <laughs> so yeah and then and also um an announcement from blum best scott derrickson is returning to horror He's coming back to a direct black phone for Blumhouse and Universal. Derrickson and frequent collaborator Robert Cargill, they both wrote um, Sinister together. They adapted a script based on Joe Hill's short story, um, Black Phone, obviously. Hmm. And the logline is a kidnapped kid, a creepy soundproof basement, an ancient disconnected phone. Then when night falls, the phone rings. Super mysterious. I don't know. I haven't actually read the story. Any familiarity on? No. No. Do you like? No. The only Joe Hill I've read is a heart shaped box. I like that one a lot. I like Joe Hill's stuff. I like Joe Hill a lot. And I mean, I feel like it's been a while. Did Derrickson do? Derrickson was set to do this, 
the Doctor Strange sequel, right? And then Creative Differences, and, and now, now Sam Raimi's yeah, in. Yeah, now it's Sam Raimi, yeah. So, yeah, I'm actually... Well, and Scott Derrickson's first start was, what, Hellraiser 5? Maybe so, yeah, he did one of the... I think it was five it was the one with the police detective um <laughs> which yeah. one is that because i feel like all of the later <laughs> hellraiser sequels want to have well, police involved kind of it, yeah yeah it it was after i think it was the one after bloodlines um but yeah it, it was it, it'll be pretty interesting to see because i know that he was really unhappy with the way Hellraiser turned out because a lot of studio interference and, and obviously like with, um, uh, like Dr. Strange, like he's, I mean, personally, that's my favorite Marvel movie. Um, like I love like the writing dialogue, although Benedict Cumberbatch is pretty easy to watch in anything. Um, I'd be really curious to actually see him return to horror and see what level of like studio interference because Sinister was also really good. Didn't Sinister wasn't that? Didn't some study recently come out saying Sinister was like the scariest movie of like the last twenty years mm-hmm. or something? Yes, yeah, which is why what beautiful timing for this announcement, guys. Because <laughs> all October long, it's been like Sinister study shows Sinister is the scariest, and you know. Oh man, don't read comment sections when you see those. Oh my posts. gosh, no. Uh, you know I love horror, but horror fans sometimes. I think it's fandom across the board, especially if you give them a comment section. They they, they unleash their their stress there. Um, Oh, man. I was reading some vitriol about the the remake of Evil Dead. And people, oh, I walked out of the theaters. It was a, what? (laughs) Yeah, well, you can't be too hard, mister. I was texting during my first watch because I was angry about it. Yeah, but I, but. (laughs) I don't go online and talk about how I paid good money to go to a theater and exactly. walked out halfway like, through. That's how fair. do you feel about yourself? Like, and, and then to post about that proudly. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like it. I feel regret over my behavior. Aww. I've grown. You're growing as a human being. <laughs> I try. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. I'm excited for any Joe Hill adaptation, really. And I am super curious for... You know, to see what Scott Derrickson will do with it now. I hope it is kind of more in the vein of of Sinister as far as the scares and the mu- mm-hmm. Really, the music. I love the score. Mm. To, like, when, That's one of the scariest scores I can think of in recent memory is, is Sinister's really off-putting. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, watching those movies, those, those music cues are pretty sharp. Like, those are exclamation points on the moment, that's for sure. Yeah. But uh, speaking of Hellraiser... It's a good segue. Mm. Um, Clive Barker is joining HBO's Hellraiser series as executive producer. So Ooh. HBO actually good. announced this back in April that they were doing a Hellraiser TV series, which uh, includes David Gordon Green, you know, the hollow, the new Halloween movies. He's directing mm-hmm. the pilot in several of the early episodes. And Michael Doherty, Trick or Treat, Camp, uh, Krampus, Godzilla, mm-hmm. King of the Monsters. He's writing alongside... Mark Verheiden, um, who did the Battlestar Galactica, I think the reboot series, um, and Verheiden is doing, he's the showrunner for this Hellraiser series. But Barker is executive producing, which I guess is a big deal because it's the first time he's (laughs) had credited involvement with the Hellraiser series since Bloodline. That's awesome. Hmm. So, yeah. Um, But, I mean, I also take this with a grain of salt because he's 
executive produced Books of Blood that, you know, just because he's involved, mm. I guess that means he's approved of, of it in some way. But he, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's the auteur of, of this. This is Stop. probably somebody else's baby and he's endorsing it. Stop killing our vibe, Megan. Stop it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to rein in any possible hype. We don't okay. know what that means. Okay. So, you know. But that doesn't mean that, you know, he's he's not involved. He's clearly involved. Yeah. I, I'm more curious to see how they're going to turn Hellraiser into a series. Well, the idea is to create an elevated continuation and expansion of the Hellraiser mythology. It is not a remake, but rather assumes past mythology to be a given. The centerpiece remains Pinhead and the Cenobites... Mm-hmm. The lament configuration. They come from hell to harvest human souls and keep balance between good and evil. Barker mm. said in a statement, I'm delighted the Hellraiser mythology is seeing new life. It's time the stories went back to their roots. I'm eager to bring a new audience, the most powerful and ancient elements of horror, the darkest evil invading our human lives and how we must find in ourselves the power to resist it. Ooh. They're taking the Godzilla approach and, and Pinhead is the balance. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, I'll take that. Sure, why not? The, the, he, they, there was always kind of a moral. I don't want to. I, I think that's the wrong word to use, like chivalrous. But um, you know, when this you was think, always about the conflagration of pleasure and pain. So sure, but I mean, I guess it started just, with the first movie where clearly Penhead can be reasoned with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and he was super mad at anybody that dared to escape him. So, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm frankly, I'm just more impressed to see, yeah, that concept, especially Pinhead and the Cenobites, turn serialized. Yeah. Like, that's a, I would think that's a tough sell. I mean, so I'm curious. It's obviously that. HBO's on board, so it's going to yeah. get production value. Yeah. And whatever they, I mean, they've gotten this far. If this series was announced in April and they're now announcing Barker on board as executive producer, my guess is there's something that he's very happy with, you know, to, to circle back. Because what I got out of his involvement with Books of Blood is that he wasn't so much interested in revisiting a lot of these older stories, mm. which is why Brandon Braga, you know, was creating new stuff that that was in the same vein of books of blood because you know he, that the the stuff is now what this was the 80s when he wrote this mm-hmm. so yeah clearly it's like here's the mythology now make this your own baby but my i think i'm most excited that like john said this is hbo so they can go free with the blood and guts and and the right. pain and suffering and sexual violence and yeah come on leather daddy <laughs> <laughs> all right listeners your turn excited for some leather daddies <laughs> can't get enough patrick wilson in your life let's hear about it the number is 224-475-1040 the number is also in the show notes we'll play our favorite messages or message or messages at the top of next week's episode please limit yourself to one question or comment per call and understand that we can't un- we can't necessarily play all messages so we apologize for that feel free to call back finally if you're anything like us and you spent all of October, and let's face it, the rest of the year, streaming movies on Shutter, Netflix, Amazon, and all the other services, Xena's going to keep our indecisiveness at a minimum. So what should we be watching, Xena? 
So coming out Tuesday, the 3rd, They Reach, it will be available on DVD. This one set in 1979, a young girl stumbles upon a possessed tape player. She then unknowingly unleashes a demonic entity that haunts her whole entire life and her family's too. Then Friday, so yeah, the next four movies are going to be Friday. This is just so much like a calmer week than what we've been going through in October. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, coming to Shudder on Friday, Blood Vessel, um, lifeboat survivors board a German boat that's crawling with vampires during World War II. Ooh. Right? <laughs> yeah. Then, um, coming out on the OD, The Dark and the Wicked, played by yes. Waking Nightmares, two siblings suspect, suspect that something evil is taking over their family at an isolated farm. Before I get to this next one, this one kind of just was <laughs> like, hey, <laughs> you might want to cool it, but okay. Triggered oh. will be out on VOD. Nine friends all harboring a dark secret go camping in the woods. After a wild night of partying, they wake up with suicide bombs strapped to their chest, all with varying times. All right. Right? That's all. I'm sorry. All with varying times on their countdown clocks. That's like insanity. Can you imagine? Jigsaw's not messing around anymore. feels like a troll title at this point (laughs) oh (laughs) whoa okay and then last kindred will be available on vod when her boyfriend dies suddenly in an accident a psychologically fragile mom-to-be is taken in by his family but they seem increasingly obsessed with her every move so that's you know coming out on vod shutter and dvd and as always we do have available bloody disgusting tv so treat yourself and enjoy i do recommend it because like you know popcorn played two days was it two two times i saw it twice on bloody disgusting tv on halloween oh Oh, i'm so mad at myself i missed that oh i like i tweeted it out like don't miss it don't miss it people (laughs) i'm not on twitter text me next time. i should i should i'm sorry i'm sorry i forget um but yeah and then dark and the wicked watch that that's one of my favorite movies this year period yeah Ooh. it sounds magical uh brian bertino <laughs> who did the strangers so mm-hmm. super bleak awesome. put on a comfort movie after Okay. And that's the Bloody Disgusting podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at Haunted Meg, which, as I said, I'm not on. So, And, <laughs> and evidently, she'll let you know when Popcorn's playing on Bloody Disgusting TV, so you want to. Just not it. even my own co-host. <laughs> you get exactly. to know before I even bother to tell him. So feel loved, guys. That's how much she cares about you, the listeners. <laughs> Xena can be found on her own website, realqueenofhorror.com, and the YouTube channel of the same name, or at lovelyzena on Twitter. And you can hear me on going back to weekly on Creepy. I don't know what to do with myself now that I'm not narrating every single day. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app, and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BeDisgustingPod, or drop us an email at BeDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com. So for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Xena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody.